Welcome to Adulthood Made Easy, a podcast from Real Simple Magazine that will not only help you navigate real life, but win it real life. I'm your host, Sam Zabel. The Forbes 30 Under 30 list for 2017 just came out, and that list is always both inspiring and intimidating to me. Inspiring because I love to look at the people who've started their own companies or made impacts in their industries and think about all the ways that I could hopefully follow in their footsteps. Intimidating because the idea of following in these incredibly brilliant people's footsteps is quite frankly, pretty scary. But one name did stick out to me, and thankfully she was able to come into the studio today to record with us. Her name is Runisha Bing. She is an Emmy award-winning journalist and entrepreneur and the founder of HerAgenda.com, which is a digital media platform working to bridge the gap between ambition and achievement for millennial women. They aim to universalize the motto of no one ever slows her agenda through their online initiatives. So Runisha is going to talk to us today about her own agenda how she started this company that inspires so many millennial women across the country and hopefully will inspire many of you when you go to visit it. And also, I think we need to talk about how she won an Emmy. So welcome, Renisha. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Congratulations on being on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. Thank you. It feels amazing, but also... Like, whose life is this? Yeah. (laughs) And you're 27? 27. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm going to be 20. I guess I'm, I I can start saying I'm 25 because I'll be 25 in like a month or two. So you're 27. You have an Emmy. You're on the Forbes list. You've had, you have so many other awards. You've been award, gotten awards from the Associated Press, Youth Venture, the Kaufman Foundation. You've been named one of the top African-American women to follow. And you've been dubbed a a tech tastemaker. So you have a lot of accomplishments under your belt already. That's so exciting. Yeah, I started pretty early because I'm from New York and Mm -hmm. I always knew I wanted to be in media. And so I started pretty much at the age of 16. So what did what does that look like to start in journal? Like, how did you do that? You blogged a little bit? Yeah, so it actually started by accident. I was a sophomore at Edward R. Murrow High School, and I took a journalism class as an elective. And at that moment, everything clicked. I was like, wait, you can make money or create a career around asking questions, mm-hmm. writing about things, and being the first to know something, and being pushy, aggressive, and nosy? <laughs> How did no one tell me this? And then from that point on, it was just my mission to start right there. And so I joined a lot of high school journalism programs and workshops, and particularly the New York Association of Black Journalists um, educated us about blogging. And this was in 2005. And I started a blog, and that was pretty much how I got started. So what one thing that struck me is, is having a career in journalism then is so different from now, because it's so saturated now, like everyone's blogging, everyone, you know, anyone can can get their work online. How did you navigate that? And how do you make yourself stand out? Well, luckily, I, at the time, there wasn't so much of that, right? It was a great way to start. So what I had to do to learn was to actually seek out mentors and people who had experience in journalism, the craft of journalism. And I learned from them. And so one thing that I do to stand out is I stick to those principles of actual journalism, um, picking up the <laughs> phone, getting quotes, um, going to, you know, the story and, and seeing for myself what's happening there. Um, even my time when I worked at the Huffington Post, it's very easy to just sit on the computer and say, oh, CBS said this, so that must be it. Mm-hmm. No, I click through and look at the original source to make sure that whatever they're quoting or whatever statistic they have there is actually true. 
And so I think that that sort of helps me stand out is just, you know, sticking to the craft of journalism. And it's like, what rocket science, like what actually makes you stand out is being a good journalist and like checking your facts and checking your sources. Yeah. Isn't it amazing that, that what's, that's what makes you stand out in journalism today? Yeah. If you're just a good reporter. <laughs> it's it's amazing, but also a little sad. Yeah, that's what, it, amazing in a, in a, I can't believe this, we have to say this type of way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what, how did you land at NBC, which is where you earned your Emmy? Okay, so another thing that helped me stand out back then was, of course, I was super young. (laughs) So I'm at press conferences at like the United Nations, like Jay-Z had some type of partnership one time. And I'm at the United Nations covering it for my site. And I'm 16 running around with a a business card. And so everyone I met back then pretty much remembers me still to this day. Yeah. So this also goes back to high school. So many of my moments really started back then, um, which is why it's so important to give back and mentor young people, I Mm -hmm. feel. But I was um, working on my high school newspaper and a girl was at the printer printing out like 50 pages of an application. I'm like, what is this that she's printing? I need to edit my story. I'm very impatient. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking and then I see all these names listed on the side, like ABC, Fox, Disney. I'm like, what? is this? Mm -hmm. Because at the time I was so focused Mm -hmm. on getting an internship and everyone told me you can't intern until you're in college. Mm -hmm. And I was so upset about that. And um, so I saw those companies. I'm like, wait, what is this? And she's like, oh, it's this internship program. You can apply and then you go back to the same company every summer and you can start in high school and you get paid and they give you scholarship money. And I'm like, what? (laughs) What? So I was like, okay, how can I find the application? When does it do? She's like, it's due tomorrow. And you need um, like three essays, two recommendation letters. You need a photo. And I'm like, okay, that's my mission for the rest of the day. It literally was at two o'clock in the afternoon. You know, school is yeah. over at three. And you need like, I, to print 20 million pages, it seems. I ran around the school like a crazy person, got all the materials and sent it overnight. It was called the Emma Bowen Foundation. Mm-hmm. And it's still around today. So any young people listening that want to apply, their applications are open, actually. Um, so I applied and got into the program and actually didn't make it. They So once you get into the program, they place you with a company. Mm-hmm. You interview with the company and then they accept or decline. You actually didn't get into any companies the first time. The second time, though, I reapplied and got into NBC and the rest was history. So at the age of 17, the summer before college, I was interning at NBC and that's when it started. And then I stuck with them throughout college. And when I graduated, they started something new called the News Associates. Mm -hmm. And it allowed me to essentially do everything in the newsroom from field producing to working on the assignment desk to even one man banding, which is basically shooting my own stories Mm -hmm. and and writing and cutting it and doing everything for it and putting it on the five o'clock and six o'clock news. That is so awesome. And I, I've i never heard that of someone who was interning somewhere from high school and beyond and then ended up with a job there. Yeah. That's, I pretty much lived in that building, too. Every school break, I was popping up. They couldn't get me to leave. Well, that's so did you end up going to college in New York, too? No. So the funny thing is I went to school in Indiana. Oh, OK. DePaul University. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. I knew that. Yeah. That's okay. But so. luckily, it's a private school. So we had a lot of breaks. We had a random week off in October. Um, we had a whole month off in January. So I utilized those breaks to really get work experience. So tell us about the story that got you the Emmy. Okay. So because those of us listening and myself included, I, my guess is a lot of us don't have Emmys. If you have an Emmy, you can tweet at me and tell me about your Emmy. I babysat for a close family friend who and I went in their room to put the baby to bed and he had like four Emmys sitting on his 
counter. Yeah. I was like, are these real or did someone make these as a joke? He was like, oh, yeah, we got it. It's he works incredible. at NBC, too. It's incredible when you go to a senior executive's office and yeah. they just have them lined up. Yeah, he works at he works at the Today Show. And he just I was like, oh, I didn't. Did, were you ever going to tell us that you have like a million Emmys? Yeah. Anyway, so tell us about your Emmy. Um, and, and, you know, journalists, they don't like to really mm-hmm. brag or uh, the focus is not on you as an individual. It's about, you know, the impact of your story. So right. a lot of times journalists don't talk about it. But I talk about it just because I know it can inspire and empower someone else who's striving to get into this field. So my Emmy story, oh my gosh. So the first, first of all, the story was crazy. I walked into the newsroom on, a, it was a Friday and I couldn't even put my stuff down. The assignment editor looked at me and he said, go to 34th street. There's a police involved shooting. No other details, mm. but just told me to go. And so when I worked there, I was pretty much usually like the first person they would send out because I would like immediately just get all the facts and just know who saw what and get them to talk to me mm-hmm. because I was I I was very very sensitive to, you know, the nature of the type of stories that we were covering. A lot of them were tragic stories. And so I wasn't super pushy and like talk to me now. I was just like, "Oh my gosh, are you okay? Like do you mind telling me what happened?" And so I had a certain approach. Um, and so I was there all day and we broke into um, the regular coverage and and it was really a true team effort. Mm-hmm. And so then they submitted that coverage for um, consideration for the Emmys and the news director sent around an email with the names of everyone who worked on, the, on that story. But uh, obviously my name wasn't on it because I'm at the bottom of the mm-hmm. totem pole. I was a field producer. And so the executive producer was on it, the anchors, the content producers, everyone was on it. And my name wasn't on it. But there was a note in the email that said, if you worked on one of these stories, let us know and we'll add your name. So I literally had to speak up and say, hey, I actually did a lot of work that day on that story. I would love to have my name added. And Good there was no you. hesitation. They added my name. But if I hadn't spoken up, no one would have done it for me. And so I like to tell that story just because, you know, just because you're not originally included in something, you can still speak up. And and if you do good work, people will, you know, get behind you on it. Good for you. I I would like to think I would have spoken up, but I don't know that I would have. Yeah. And I feel like, too, especially um, young people, we feel like, oh, maybe... I didn't do enough work or maybe, you know, I'm not supposed to be on this or I didn't do enough work to be included in something like this. But, you know, don't tell yourself no before someone else tells you no. That's my motto. I love that. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about your other motto, which is no one ever slows her agenda. Mm -hmm. Um, So first of all, how lucky that it also is part of your name, N-E-S-H-A. But where did that come from? And and talk to us a little bit because I want to talk about her agenda because that is such an awesome site and and seems to play into so many of your strengths and passions. Yeah. So it actually started because um, back then I had those business cards I was telling you about and I had nothing to put on it. I didn't work for any company or anything. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, let me come up with some type of tagline or something so people can remember me. And my name is Ranisha, and I go by Nisha because Ranisha is not the most common name. And so I just knew I needed a quick name when I'm out and, and about to just so people could remember and remember how to, to pronounce it and things like that. And so I was like, okay, I'm always busy. I'm always going to press conferences and stuff. So literally I have an agenda and I have a goal. And people try to tell me no all the time. They're like, oh, you're too young. Oh, you don't have any connections. But I'm like, that doesn't matter. I can still do it. And so 
literally I don't let anyone tell me no. And I have an agenda. <laughs> so I came up with that tagline and that's where it started. And I realized as I started to navigate the world of media and start my career, I started modeling with Seventeen and I did a lot of work with um, Teen Vogue. And I got letters because I was blogging and uh, documenting my journey. I got letters from girls. And something at that moment really clicked and made me realize, wow, not everyone thinks the way that I do. Not everyone is completely putting themselves out there and taking a chance on themselves. They feel like they have to be invited or they feel like they need to ask permission. And I'm like, that shouldn't be the case. Like I need to change the mindset of my peers so that we can take over and change the, t- the statistics of the women who are in power. Because I had so many amazing mentors that inspired me all the time. I was able to see the possibilities of what I could do and who I could be based off of their example. And these women were editors at magazines, publicists for celebrities. And so it goes back to that whole concept of you can't be what you can't see. And so I knew that my peers weren't seeing these type of women and I needed to bring that to them so that they can go after what they want simply by showing them this person did it so you can do it too. So when you were coming up with the concept for Her Agenda, which we said is is a website um, that offers, that lets you know what events are going on in your area, profiles of really import, impressive women, career resources, mentorship resources. When you're coming up with the concept for this website, how, like we talked about, how did you help differentiate it in what is a really saturated internet right now? Mm-hmm. Well, for one, we actually tell stories and (laughs) we we reuse a traditional journalism style, but also make it relatable because it's all written by millennial women. Mm -hmm. Another thing is that we don't cover just the same people that you see everywhere. Mm -hmm. We try to, we try to really like think about like, who is that person that maybe works at Snapchat that no one knows about? That's like a super awesome position of power. Let's find her and talk to her. Or um, someone who maybe is an attorney. And so traditionally, her role is not front facing. You wouldn't really know about her, but maybe she represents, you know, a really, really awesome client and has an amazing lifestyle, but you wouldn't know about her. And so we really try to elevate those stories. And um, yeah, and, and our content is all written by women, millennial women. So. And how old were you when you start, when you came up with the concept for the website and started building out the website? I was a sophomore in college. I was 19. Wow. Yeah. And when did, when do you feel like it took off? Like when did you start building a team around it? When did it become kind of your full-time job? It took a while because at first it was a a thing I just did on the side because Mm -hmm. my plan was to originally um, just pursue journalism within the corporate media environment Mm -hmm. and then eventually maybe, you know, work on her agenda full-time and so the nature of college and, and doing all those internships that I did, I updated the site whenever I could, but mm-hmm. I it wasn't consistent. But when I graduated and started working at NBC, I started to think, hmm, maybe I can get a little bit more consistent with it. And mm-hmm. so the consistency led to people reaching out to me and saying, I love what you're doing. Can I be a part of it? And that helped me to build a team of writers. And then I actually started to get my own money to invest into the platform and I'm like, okay, let me redo this platform and make it look professional and make it look like something. And that really helped a lot too. And then, yeah, from there, um, 
things just started to pick up. And I really I'm trying to think of the moment where I left my full time job and started it. It was really gradual. Um, I hear that a lot that it's like it, it's not one day that you just pack up your desk and leave. Yeah. It's like over a period of time. And it's, you know, I assume having been at NBC for so many years, you had a really supportive boss and and yeah. co-workers who I assume knew about her agenda. exactly I didn't have to hide it and especially because I worked at a television station and it was a website it wasn't exactly a conflict of interest or anything so right. it was really awesome to be able to do both at the same time honestly I preferred it because yeah. I love to do a lot of things at once there was even a moment I would will admit like when I was doing it full time that I was like okay I'm kind of bored now I want to <laughs> do something else well it's hard to be your own what so I have a lot of questions about starting your own business and the first is who helped you figure out a business model because you can't start your own business without saying like okay this is what's going to be successful this is how I'm yeah. going to map out my day this is you know what even something as boring as like, what forms do you need to make yourself a business? Like, yeah. do you go to the bank for the forms? Like, what? Do you, who helped you kind of And how to figure that? out financial forecasting in right, Excel. exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a painful, long process. Right. I will say that because you have to test things. You have to really just get into those boring things of like filling out the right forms and making sure certain structures are in place, making sure you have insurance. Um, so... I had a lot of mentors and I was part of a co-working space in New York called Alley. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to be surrounded by other entrepreneurs that were also trying to figure it out. And so I was able to ask them like, hey, how do you do this? Or what do you think about this? And really get feedback. And I was there when they first started Alley. And so I had direct access to the founders too. And they raised money before and they had experience with multiple startups. And so I would ask them. And then I started looking up accelerator programs and applying to those. And accelerator programs are essentially like boot camps for t entrepreneurs and their teams. And so I got into one called Points of Light Civic Accelerator, and they pretty much break your company all the way down. Mm. You almost feel like, why am I doing this? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like you go up there, you give your elevator pitch, and they're like, what? What is your company? <laughs> they don't like pretend to go along. There's with no sugar coating. Yeah. Like sometimes you'll say something at a networking event or, and they'll be like, oh, OK, that sounds interesting. They don't really know what you're saying. And so they really challenge you in the accelerator I was in to think about, like, what is the problem that you're solving? How is your company solving it? And then figure out all the logistics that go with that. Like, what is the real business model? Like, look at market research. Like, what is going to be the best path for you to be profitable? Mm -hmm. So they encourage you to raise money but that's not the goal the goal is to be a profitable company and if you want to raise money then these are the tools and the sheets and and the pitch decks that you need to do that and then how did you get people to i know you said people were reaching out and wanted to be part of it but how did you build a team of you know you look on your website and you have like employees like you have yeah. a real live <laughs> team so how did you build I that? actually the funny thing is i actually never advertise for jobs the only position I recently advertised for was our most recent hire, which was about a month ago. Mm -hmm. It was a news writer, a trending news writer. And it was so specific that I needed to advertise that job. But um, before that, like we have an amazing girl who runs our brand partnerships and sales. Mm -hmm. She wrote to me on LinkedIn and asked me to dinner. And I had dinner with her and we had a few conversations and then she came on board. 
um, our managing editor currently, she was a contributor. And all of our contributors are part-time freelance. So mm-hmm. she just had a meeting with me and said she wanted to get more involved. And I said, okay, well, I need a managing editor. What do you think about that? And she came on board. So a lot of the the people who are on the team came organically through just them wanting to be part of it, which is my advice. A lot of people, when they have companies or they have ideas, they try to keep it close. I think share your idea and put yourself out there, even when it's not perfect, mm-hmm. as much as possible. And people see that and they will see you. They will see your passion and they'll want to be a part of that. And you spent so much of your life, you know, like you said, you had so many mentors that got you to where you are today. And now you have this whole site dedicated to inspiring young women and millennials. What did all of these people and in, in your past teach you about being a leader? That's a good question. <laughs> Um, I love when journalists tell me that's a good question. I feel like I can check that off. Like, yes, yes I, I did one good, good one. Yeah. Stopped one journalist. Um, let's see. They told me that it's really important to listen. A lot of people talk about the importance of listening. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting to say that as a leader, you should just listen. But you you feel so much so much of the pressure of the idea of a leader is to be the first to speak or, you know, just always have something to say. Sometimes there's not anything to say. Sometimes you just have to listen, listen to your audience, listen to your workers or contributors or employees um, and listen to the market. Just like be able to take a step back and listen. It, it's really important in order for you to be the most effective leader. Totally. That makes total sense. And I've I've I think that the the best bosses I've had are the ones who will turn to me and say, "Okay, well what do you think? You know, what's your day like? What do you think about that?" Mm-hmm. I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah. And so what is your day? What does a typical day look like when you own your own business and you're leading a team of writers and you're trying to get your foot in the door. What does a day look like for you? It's very cliche, but there's no typical day. I think you know that. that was I figured. <laughs> I, I have to ask, but I think my guess was different. So what does today look like for you? Let's try that. Okay. So I have this podcast interview and then I'm Best going part of the day. To, yeah, honestly, it is. And I'm like <laughs> really wishing that I could record this whole thing. But um, we're, and then, we're recording it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, visually, like in oh, the yeah. story, social yeah. video. You know, video is like the future now. Mm-hmm. Video and podcasting. So um, let's see. After this, I go into the office. I have an office at Alley um, and work on some stories. So there's a couple of stories I have to edit and publish today. I still edit most of the pieces that go on the site. I don't write a lot of it, but I edit and everything passes through me at least once, mm-hmm. which I need to get away from, honestly. But, you know, baby mm-hmm. steps. That's okay. <laughs> and then um, I have a production meeting. Um, because we're rolling out a lot of video for 2017. So awesome. I'm working with a producer and video team. And so we're mapping out the timeline and things like that. And then back to my laptop to answer emails and schedule calls and um, delegate stories and assign stories pretty much. And we've been talking a lot about on this show resolutions. Obviously, it's January. It's 2017. It's a fresh year. What are your resolutions for her agenda in 2017? What do, What does growth look like to you? Let's see. Growth looks like to me um, launching our campus ambassador program. Awesome. Tell us about that. It's something that that we wanted to do for a long time, but there's so many campus ambassador programs that sort of take advantage of students. And I didn't want to be 
a program that took advantage of, of the student. I wanted to be a program that would add value to them mm-hmm. and their experience. And so it's been a long time coming and we finally announced the applications. It's up now on the site. You can apply. The deadline is January 19th and it's a really incredible program. And I wish that I could take credit for coming up with it, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the program? And so it allows you to essentially become like a mini contributor to the site. Uh-huh. And it also empowers you to put on your own events on campus and bring professionals. So like a, a mentor role model that you have, we teach you how to reach out to them and to position yourself in a way that it makes it beneficial to you and them to come and speak to you and come to the campus and share. And it's pretty much run on a point system. And so you get different points for different activities that you do. So oh, cool. Yeah. And for people who we have a lot of people, obviously, out of college who listen to the show, how can they reach out to you, get involved with her agenda, um, find you on the Internet? Um I'm pretty much on every social media platform. <laughs> but um, if you're on Twitter, I'm at Nisha's Agenda. If you're on Instagram, I'm also the same name. Um, yeah. You can also email me at any time. I have a website, ranisha.com, mm-hmm. and all of my contact information is there. And is there ways that people can get evol- involved with the Her Agenda? I know there's a lot of events. Like, mm-hmm. is it just New York right now or or? Where can no, we, find so we have so many ways to get involved. I wouldn't even know where to start. So we're looking for interns. So that's one place to start. Mm-hmm. We're always looking for contributors. And so you can email info at heragenda.com and just send us a pitch and an idea. And we'll consider that. We also, going back to the event. So on Her Agenda, we have a database of networking events and panels that are happening nationwide. And so this is a curated list. Sometimes you go on and you think, oh, these are all Her Agenda events. No, they're not. They're just essentially a curated listing. So to power that database, we have a program called Event Curators. And so we have girls in different cities across the country that are sort of in the know. Their inbox is overwhelmed with like networking events and mm-hmm. stuff. They're that friend and it's like, oh my God, you're always at a conference. Yeah. Or you're always going to a happy hour networking thing. And so there's certain girls though that aren't plugged in like that and they need to have a source. And so I cultivated and pulled together all of those type of women to add the, those their knowledge to the database. So it's called the Her Agenda Event Curator Program. And that's a simple application process. You just like, if you Google it, you'll find it. Yes. And so that's another way to get involved. So if there's like a ton of great events happening in your city and you're like, why don't more people know about this? Definitely submit yourself to be a curator. And we have an awesome community community on Slack. So Ooh, Slack. Yeah. So we use Slack in a different way where we pretty much, if you're a contributor, you're automatically in the Slack group. But if you're a reader, you can join the Slack group too if you pay a small fee because what we've, we, we, our goal with the group is to pretty much unite all women who are ambitious that want to empower and encourage other women. And so in this group, we're talking about everything from like salary negotiation to self-care and like what that looks like. And so you can literally jump into this group and ask any question and someone will be able to answer you immediately. And then also there's like a curated and constant stream of jobs being shared. Mm. And so, you know, that hidden job market where like most of the time, you know, Positions are filled before they even post it on the job board yeah. because they ask a friend who asks a friend that knows someone right. and then they come in and, and they get the job. And so 
how do you get access to that? Like if you don't have a network. And so this is like that network that we're, we're, we are building for them. Um, so people really trust each other in this community and they, they'll copy and paste that email and share it and refer the person. So it's a referral network. It's an advice network. It's peer mentorship. It's all of that. And it's hosted on our Slack. That's awesome. Well, Renisha, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope everyone visits heragenda.com to get involved in all of the ways that Nisha mentioned. And there are so many more. And just read up and get excited, get inspired. And good luck in 2017. I can't wait to see what you guys do. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Adulthood Made Easy. If you have questions or topics you'd like me to cover in the future, just tweet them to me at Sam Zabel and I'll add them to my list. I'd like to thank our producer, Jordan Bell, and a special thanks to Ethan Simon for his help on this episode. Don't forget to review and subscribe in iTunes if you're enjoying the show. I'm Sam Zabel, and I'll see you next time. 